Welcome to another episode of Propcast, a property podcast that aims to educate, inspire, and engage property investors. We are your hosts, Dami Shiambala and Bimbala Osaige. Hello, Dam Dam Dam. That's your new name. <laughs> Hello, Dam Dam Dam. Hi, what's up? Hi, thank you. Bim Bim Bim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Welcome to Propcast with Dam Dam and Bim Bim. <laughs> Hope everyone's doing good today. How are things? Things are good. The last time we had the podcast, I think I I mentioned the fact that I got an offer accepted. And then today, or since then, I've had one other offer rejected. Wow. <laughs> I bet you're waiting for another acceptance, right? I really was waiting for another acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had one rejected. So that, oh, but you know, we don't um cry over spilled milk. We just keep going. We just yeah, keep going. you gotta be in it to win it. So keep going. Excellent, excellent. And um, yeah, I've been looking at since we last spoken, an opportunity has come across my table Ooh. to potentially take on five HMOs. Ooh, you mean five bedroom HMO or five different HMOs? Five different HMOs. Go damn 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 in the morning. Wow, wow. That's we've got we've got some investigations to do. So the interesting thing about this one is that it comes fully tenanted across the portfolio. So it would be cash flowing from day one. Okay, that's excellent um, news. We're just doing some due diligence, going going to try and arrange some viewings, and then we'll see. Then. This is where uh, our creative finance comes in. <laughs> For real. So tell me a little bit about, I've got some questions about this. Too. This is great stuff, by the way. Mm. So the inquiry minds want to know, why would a landlord that has five HMOs all tenanted want to hand it over to you? Well, interestingly, this landlord has um, 18 Oh, HMOs. wow. The reason why is because, well, they already, they already had it managed by somebody else. Um, but the management company that was looking after it mm-hmm. have decided to go in a different direction. So right. they've got to a co-living direction. Um, and as a result, it's vacated, you know, the, the management aspect of it. Um, right. to answer your question, which is why would a landlord want to do that? To be honest, some landlords are very lazy. Some landlords are tired. Right. Uh, I say lazy. What I mean is they want the they want the baby, but they don't want the labor pains. Mm-hmm. So they want the uh, the what the property gives them, which is cash flow. But they don't like tenants. They don't want to deal with tenants. They don't want anything to do with managing the property. But they want the money that comes from the property. So they um, they would find a management agent who will look after the property. And, you know, and give them their money at the end of every month. Some landlords are tired. Uh, so, right. you know, they've done it for years and years and years and years. And they've just had enough. And they want to come out of, you know, managing uh, the day-to-day rigors of managing property. Right. So that's another reason. Um, another reason could be uh, a landlord is moving country, changing jobs, moving right. locations. So many different reasons why a landlord may want to uh, find someone to manage the properties but those are just some off the top of my head excellent i just had an idea the next mm. time i'm running my rent to rent calls 
I think you need to come and speak on day one about rent to rents because you're getting good. You're getting great at this. <laughs> you are becoming the rent to rent king. Uh, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> see if we can uh, execute it and um, you know add to the portfolio. But yeah, um, it was it was brought to me by a friend. the The opportunity was brought to me by a friend of mine who's also doing rent to rents, and uh, mm. it was a uh, joint venture. Excellent. And uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. No, that sounds really cool. Well done. I wasn't expecting yeah. this news, <laughs> but it's a very good one. No, well done. Well done, Robin. It's amazing. Um, yeah. It, it, and did somebody say that they wanted 2020 cancelled again? <laughs> We're not cancelling 2020. We are not cancelling 2020. Oh, dear. Okay, excellent. Well, this would lead us nicely into what we're looking to talk about today. So you did mention that this deal has come on the table, but you are yet to view I've been going and doing all these deals. Clearly, somebody out there wants to know, how do you guys know that this is a great deal? What do you look out for when you go into these properties? What are you looking to see? How you know? What do you note when you're viewing? What conversations are you having with the, with the agent or with the landlord? What are you looking for with these properties? How do you know that the properties are going to fall off next week? How do you, you know, what, what are you looking for? So I think today's topic is, what do you look out for when you go do when you do view a potential property deal? So I'm going to throw that to you, Dami. So you're going okay. to viewing next wall at some point. What are you What are you looking out for? Whether um, Whether it be rent to rent or want to buy. Sure. So I think the first thing when I when I'm going to view, to be honest. I'm not so particular about the house. Um, I'm more particular about trying to build a rapport with the owner, with the, with the vendor or you know, whatever name you want to give, um, with the individual who's selling the property. That's if I'm able to get that viewing with the owner. And the reason I say this is because We'll come back to what we look out for in the property in a minute. But um, the reason why I, I say this is because you know, a lot of individuals go into properties with one sort of maybe a strategy in mind. Uh, I'm going to use a popular one. Oh, PLO. I'm going to PLO this property. What's PLO? PLO is, uh, you know, uh, where you take a purchase lease option on the property. Right. We've done we've done episodes on, on um, PLOs. And um, the seller situation doesn't fit a PLO. So you go in, you look at a property, and then you offer the, you know, the seller a PLO. And then they're looking at you like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, I always, the first thing for me when I go and look up, look at a property is to try and build rapport with the vendor. Um, because this, this conversations will lead to actually finding more about the house um, it will lead to finding more about the situation of the seller and it will lead to possibly being able to identify what I can offer the seller. Um, so then when I go and look around the property, I'm looking out for things like, I'm just going to try and go off the cuff here. I'm looking out for things like mold. So is there mold, especially in the bathroom areas or 
know, in the bedroom areas where they may be spreading clothes and there's, you know, there's damp and things like that. So typically I'm looking for mold, damp. I'm really looking for issues um, because I know that, okay, if I'm to acquire this property or take this property on, these are the things I'm going to need to do to bring it up to standard for, uh, you know, for rental. So I'm looking for things like mold, damp. Um, I'm opening the taps, okay? It's funny, you never really open taps when you go on viewing. No, so I, you don't actually. Why do you open taps? Because you want to see the pressure. Mm. You know, is there good pressure? Yeah. It's weird what people ask for, you know, when you when when you come across rentals. Does it have, you know, good pressure? And because also you want to make sure that because people don't will not always tell you that this is not working or, you know, then you buy the property and you come in and you find out that oh this is not this is not working, this is not working. Mm-hmm. So a little things that I try and do like that, taps I I try and open as many cupboards as possible. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, although you might say, you know, you're gonna change the whole unit, but if you don't have to, why, you know, um just to just to see if if um just to see, you know, if there's any damages on the cupboards and things like that. Um what else do I look at? I look at the size of the rooms. The windows, especially the windows, mm-hmm. because windows can be an, uh, you know, uh, a cost that you don't really want to bear. So I try and look at the windows, the quality of the windows, if there's damp around the windows, things like that. And these things are quite easy to miss, but they're also quite easy to spot mm-hmm. when you know what you're, you know, when you, when you know what you're looking for. What else do I look for? I also, yeah, like I said, I try and spend time talking to the vendor. Yeah. I look at the, I, one thing I don't really take too much notice of is just, you know, I mean, I look at the quality of the paintwork, but essentially if I'm buying a property, it's probably going to go for a refresh anyway. So I'm not too bothered about that. Maybe if it's got wallpaper, then I might start knocking and, you know, seeing, but you know, with wallpaper, you don't know what's behind the walls. You mm-hmm. never know what's behind the walls. So that one is just, you know, hopefully you get a good, you get a good, um, yeah, you don't get any nasty surprises when, uh, when you pull down the wallpaper, if that's what you're going to do. So what else do I look at? I look at, yeah, check out the garden. Those are the main things that I kind of tend to go for. Mm-hmm. Mark damp. Does the heating system work? You know, all these little things that you don't quite, you, you might not necessarily think of other things that I look for. What about yourself? I feel like I'm rambling on, so no, you yeah. go. <laughs> you weren't rambling at all. <laughs> no, I think you've covered quite a bit. I want to just add to the bit about speaking to the vendor. That is so important. I mean, it, if it's the vendor on site or if the vendor was at the viewing, then make it a point to speak to them. And even if it's not a vendor, if it's the estate agent, you want to try and build a rapport. I, I mean, I, I do this a lot and I tell my students as well, when you do go out for a viewing, you want to, you know, have a relay, you want to start to build a rapport with the person that is showing you around because what would happen is even if this property you're viewing is not the right property for you, because you've started to build a rapport with them, you get to tell them what you do. They get to, um, you get to know what else is on their plate. Um, they get to hear you speak 
um, tell you, ask you about some of the things you do. Whenever something else comes up, whether it's that one, a similar one, another one, you will be one of the first people they would remember. So it's good. And I think as humans, we want, you know, a relationship is so important to every human being. You have to apply that even when you're going to view a property. So you're not just going to view a property. You are literally getting into a relationship, some sort of relationship with the agent. Um, but then I, I, when you were talking, I remembered that because the last the last offer that got accepted, that was the one thing that actually put me ahead of everybody else. At least the agent reported fed back to me. So I remember uh -huh. when I went to view this property, I um, the first time my builder went, so I wasn't able to go. And then the second time round, I, I met the vendor and the estate agent, but I'd spoken to the estate agent beforehand. So it was, you know, it was good to meet him there for the first time. And um, so it kind of built some sort of rapport with him. But then as I was leaving to, to leaving, having looked around the property, the vendor was waiting outside. So I spoke, so I just took some time and spoke to her, asked her why she was leaving, what her, her plans, how long she lived at the property and so on, you know, got to know a bit about her family. You know, I mean, this conversation I'm talking wasn't anything more than five minutes um, or not even up to five minutes, but it literally that was the one thing that she, she was so grateful that I did that because the estate agent fed back and said, look, we've got quite a number of offers on the table. But, um, one of the reasons why the vendors gearing more towards you is because you managed to engage her, uh, when you were there and, you know, and then she gave it a, gave it a few more thoughts and then eventually she accepted my offer. So that was, that was good. It was a good learning. It was a, it was a good reminder to me as well. Cause I, I was just doing it because I'm just quite, I like to talk to people, but I was reminded of the fact that actually that's something really good to do. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Then, um, what else do I look out for? So one of the, one of the things that I, um, I love um, when it comes to properties, I love to look at, I love to buy derelict properties. So I love to buy properties that need a lot of work. So when I go out to view, I am, I'm, I already know the properties that have a lot of issues, but one of the things I really do look out for, for me, that's a game changer is I look out for cracks. So it's one thing when you know, the property obviously needs work, um, and it's all cosmetic, um, work or modernizing, you know, the inside and the outside. The one thing I definitely don't want, or one thing I always need to be, to bear in mind is structural damages to buildings. And not that, not that if I were to find one, it's not going to deter me from buying, but it just means that it's going to affect the kind of offer that I put on the table. So I'm always looking out for cracks on the, um, uh, on the property. If you saw a crack, mm. would you get a structural engineer to come and do a survey? Um, it depends. So the in the first instance, there's certain cracks that you, you can, I mean, most cracks, you can visibly see it, although you might not know the extent of it. So one of the first things I do is I go back with my builder, because when I go back with my builder, what I'm, what, what I'm really trying to understand is, does he, I just want to get his opinion on if he feels that this is more structural or just the render. Because sometimes the render placed on the building could crack. 
and it might look like something structural when it's actually not. So I it just blown plaster, right? Exactly. So I get my builder to come. In fact, I always take my builder with me when I go and view. Either he comes with me on the first viewing or, he, or comes with me on the second viewing. Um, so he has i mean he's not an expert in in structural stuff but at least as a builder he's had years of experience so he would tell me from his own um from his experience if he feels that look i think this could be more than a render um crack i think you need to get a structural engineering um and so on and so forth so yeah i would get a structural engineer if there's a need to um but then i suppose again it depends on um, it depends really on the type of purchase that it is. When where it's a if it's an auction purchase, and I know that I don't have as much time, um, I then have to decide: Do I really want to go and spend money and get a structural engineer on this property that I don't know if I'm going to get? In which case, I would have paid close to a grand or more um, for this report, or do I want to just leave this and just move on to the next thing? So I have to then make that decision. If it's a property on the open market, I could, and I know that it's um, sold subject to contract to me, then I might spend that money just to be sure. But if it's, an, you know, if it's something that I'm not, it's not that I can't, um, that I know that I may or may not get, then I probably, I probably would just leave that particular one, except it's a fantastic deal. Like, the, you know, the money, the numbers are really good, in which case I might spend that extra bit. So, yes. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. I remember um, <clears throat> I was looking at a property for an investor and we, there were loads of cracks mm. in, in the property. And, it, you know, I didn't go with a builder at the time, but... I just felt it's difficult to tell whether this is plaster or whether there's something really wrong mm -hmm. in the building. So we we did get a structural engineer out. Okay. I don't think it was up to a grand. I okay. think maybe it was around three, four hundred pounds. Okay. And we felt like, you know what, it's better to be it's better to spend um, oh, I mean, this was just the way we saw it. It's better to spend this £300 now, even if we don't go ahead, um, because if we did go ahead and, you know, we find that we've got to do some major work, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be detrimental in the long run. So, but just to be sure of the numbers, we did get a structural engineer yeah. out. It turned out there was a minor structural issue but he didn't see it as very serious. He, he put kind of the recommendations for fixing it. Yeah. A typical builder would have been able to do. But as it would have it, we didn't, we, we did put offers in for the property, but they weren't accepted. We felt they were asking for too much for the condition mm. of the property. Yeah. And those offers weren't accepted. But yeah, yeah. that's good sometimes, you know? Yeah. So for me, so I like that you shared this example. And I think that if I, if I were to do this, or maybe even if you were to do this again, because this is a this is a property on the open market, wasn't it? It wasn't actually. It was an off market. Oh, so what I meant is it wasn't in an auction. It wasn't an auction sale. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it wasn't in an auction. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I suppose you would have maybe next time, or um, I would have offered first, got my offer accepted, then is now sold subject contract to me, and then do the survey, the structural survey. And then based on the, the the outcome of that, you could then even go back to negotiate the price a little bit. You could decide that actually this is minor, as they said, we can that, that fits in with our numbers. 
um, and so on and so forth. So, so you, I would do what you've just done, but I'll do it once my offer is in place. Mm. Yeah. So I suppose that's another way to do it. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's good. The other thing that I, I want to talk about in terms of what to look out for. And again, this is based on an, an example is I look at what the advert says versus what I'm actually going into to see. So if this is a an on the market type um deal where I've picked it up on Right Move or some online site or from through an estate agent or so on and so forth, and there's a there's an advert that says this is what this property is about. It's a two bed, three bed, four bed, five bed house with garage and parking and da 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 da. When you do go to view, you want to make sure that what it says on the advert is what you're actually seeing in in person in reality. Uh, and again. Some people don't necessarily think of that because, you know, you're at the property, but sometimes you find that the advert is uh, that is not exactly what you're saying. So I, I just thought of a, an example that I could share. I love to share examples. So I remember seeing this advert, this um, pro- property for sale, and, you know, it talks about all the different number of bedrooms and so on and so forth. And then it says there that the, the, the owner, no, then it says that the garage is in part of the sale. So I thought that was interesting. Garage, not part of this. Okay, no problem. I don't really, really want a garage anyways. So I went to this, I went to do the viewing. So I looked at the property, then I went to the garden and then the garage in question was at the end of the garden. So you know those properties that have a guard, garage at the end. So you go into the garden and at the very end of the garden is the garage. And then I remember that the, the, the advert says, garage is in for sale but then from what i was looking at the garage was attached to the garden it's on the freehold it's on the land so i'm like okay that's interesting how do they plan on doing this um obviously the obvious plan for me would be that perhaps they would cut out that bit from the title and sell it up onto where the garage starts from which you can do but it was just a good one because i remember seeing that in the advert I went to view, I was expecting a a garage that was totally detached from the property, but it wasn't. It was part and parcel of it. So when you you do see things like that, then you want to ask further questions. You want to understand exactly what the plan is, because if if you look at the, I mean, if you ever get to the point where you're actually about to buy this property, um, you you would get a uh, you would get access to the title plan, or you can't even request a title plan from land registry. You need to be sure that what they're saying yeah. they're looking to sell is actually what you're looking to buy. Yeah. A title plan costs, what, three pounds? Three pounds. Off the registry? Yeah. So it's a, it's a well worth um, document to purchase to ensure you're getting the right things. Yeah. yeah. Same thing applies to when you're buying like an end of terrace properties or you're going to view an end of terrace property or some property that is attached that, that has like a field behind it or to the side that, you know, properties that have that extra piece of land, you want to be sure that what it says on the advert is what you're looking, what you're seeing in reality. And then you want to ask questions. So viewing a property is not just viewing the actual structure of the, of the house. You know, you have to go beyond that. You have to look at the garden. You have to look at the extra space you have to look if he says it's got parking that's another thing that i look out for if he says that it has parking i want to see where the parking is 
Um, if he doesn't say that he has parking, I also want to ask if there's any restriction on parking because parking is such a big deal for some people. I know for a lot of people, where you're, when you live in the city, you live in London or any of the busy cities, you don't really think about parking because, you know, no one really has parking space. But when you live on the suburb or you're investing in places or you, you know, you're looking to have a HMO or you're looking to buy a property to develop or you are looking you know, depending on what your strategy is, you want to know if there is parking and if there is. And sometimes just the lack of a parking space could be a a, a, a a no deal for some strategy. And sometimes you can look at how you can create parking spaces and, and so on and so on and so forth. I think one of the other things when looking at a, <laughs> looking at a property is um, whether it's a leasehold or freehold. Mm-hmm. And- also asking questions um, to either the agent or the owner about this, especially if it's a leasehold. Um, freeholds are fairly easy and straightforward. Um, if they say it's a freehold, then you know you don't typically need to worry because it means you will own the land. Yeah. But if it's a leasehold, you want to be asking questions like, how much is a service charge? Yeah. Uh, what are the communal um, area charges? If it's a management company that own, you know, that you pay the service charge to, what are they responsible for? What will you be responsible for? Mm. Uh, I think one of the most important things to also ask is how long is the leasehold for? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and actually, even if the agent tells you, and because believe it or not, agents lie. <laughs> Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> so even if an agent tells you 99 years or however many years on the lease, you want to see that in writing because they because to push a sale through, they do tell porkies and they do tell lies. Mm-hmm. I can say this because this happened to me and my wife. So when we purchased one of our properties, the agent had told us that you know, there were over... 99 years um maybe even 100 years if i remember correctly on the leasehold but when we got the paperwork through after the purchase had gone through it was something like maybe 93 years or 95 years not that that's a major issue it's just you know from going from having 100 years to suddenly it's in the 90s now you know i've got to think in a couple of years time that i need to renew that so Agents can lie. And so, you know, you want to make sure that, um, for example, in this instance, if it had been under 80 years, for example, that would have put us in a real sticky situation because we would now be looking to um, having to renew that lease straight away. And anything under, once it starts getting, you know, under 80 years, it starts to become more and more expensive. So always verify what the agents say. Don't just go on their word because they do lie and they can lie. Not all agents do, but I'm just I'm just putting it out there. So I've got a question though. Did you say that you guys only found out after the purchase? Yeah. How is that possible? What happened to your solicitor? That's part of part and parcel of what the solicitor should be looking at. Especially when they when they're doing the reports to yourself, they should be giving you a report based you know, based, I mean their report should have things like the leasehold, how many years left the service charges, who's your management company, and so on and so forth. I mean, I can't remember the exact timelines. Mm, mm. And whether it was one of those ones, whether, you know, we were 
too far invested to kind of you, now yeah <laughs> you ain't in love with that <laughs> <to> kind of, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think so, that's a definite that's a common um that's a common mistake that we 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 make because i i remember as well buying a property of a, a, a flat and the other street is i really don't remember how many years the lease was when i bought it but i came to remortgage a few years back and then it was picked up on my remortgage that I've got, I, I don't have so many more, so many years left. I think I was now below a hundred years on, on the lease. And I think as a result of that, the valuation came in lower than I, than I expected because my, my leasehold or the number of years left is quite, um, not up to a hundred. And I think it was only at that point that I realized <laughs> that I'm like, Oh, okay. So no, so I, I asked yeah. that just to, I just wanted to know, if the same thing happened to me, I think in my case, I wasn't, it wasn't a case of the agent told me it must have been mm. a case of either. I didn't read the, the, the report very well. Um, or I, yeah. I didn't take too much notice of it. Or I was fight invested, you know, I was just excited. And this was at the early years of my, of my yeah. um, property days anyway. So That's I was true. just excited. Yeah. yeah. So I think they, they, you know, you ask the questions, uh, yeah. How, how long is it? And they, off the cuff, oh, yeah, it's more than 100 years. Mm. So it's something maybe, like, we focused on. And then, of course, when all the paperwork lands, you get all the documents and you start reading through, you know, after you get all the property paperwork and you see, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't these, <laughs> these guys. <laughs> so that's why I say probably if I was to go back, yeah. I would have maybe, like you said, taken more notice of the solicitor's yeah. report. Maybe it wasn't a solicitor's report and we just didn't realise yeah. because it was something, you know, why would an agent lie to me? Mm. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> And, and that, this is the beauty of this podcast, right? This is the beauty of us doing our podcast and talking about this thing. There is so much to learn for anyone that is listening. There's just so much things that you'll pick up. You know, if I had listened to this podcast a few years back, I think I would be more aware of how many years left on my lease or because someone else mentioned it. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's the, one of the advantages of speaking about things. And I love the fact that we always share our experience. I, I don't like that. we. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's good to talk about the theory, but it's even better when you can talk about something that, you've gone through i've gone through so people can learn from that uh, amazing what about neighborhoods that's something that i look out for when i'm viewing so again view, so as you can hear guys viewing is not just about viewing the property <laughs> like there's a whole lot of things that you're looking for when you go out to view i look at the neighborhood one of the things i try to do is if i have a viewing i try to get there earlier and when I get it earlier, what I do is I drive around the neighbor, I drive around the street, I drive in the neighboring streets that, you know, I just go around, I just go around like in a circle and come back to the actual property. I want to get a feel of the kind of people that are living there, the kind of people that are walking the street. I want to know, and then I go at different times of the day. So even when I do view a property, let's say I've, I've had a viewing at 2 p.m., if I'm in the area at 10 a.m. the next day, I'm going to drive past that place again. If I happen to be in the area at 6 p.m., I go back there because I want to get a feel of what, it, what it's like in the morning, what it's like in the afternoon and in the evening. I want to know that when I go there during daytime, I don't find half the people on the streets 
walking the street when they should be at work. <laughs> I want to know that people actually work. Um, I don't want to see kids hanging around causing a nuisance. Um, you know, so those, those are kind of things that you would, you would notice when you go at different times of the day. Uh, you look at other people and how they've kept their house. That's one thing that I'm so big on as well. I might be buying a derelict property on the street, but I want to know that on that street, everybody else, or most or at least 80% of the house on that street are, are well looked after. And maybe the 20% are the anomalies. I don't want to go there um, and have the street is in chaos because it then suggests to me that the type of people that live there and probably the, the value when, when it comes to me remortgaging, I don't want my valuer going there. Um, and because the valuer would do exactly what we're doing, right? As part of valuing the, 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 as part of determining the value of the property, they, they look at other properties, they look at how well it's kept and so on and so forth. So I look at all of this when I go and view, um, because I want to get the best dollar for my property once I've done. I want to be able to bring my tenants into a safe environment. If I'm looking for professionals, I want to know that on that same rule, there are other professionals and it's not just a bunch of, you know, unemployed people and they're causing chaos and not, not, not issues or no, not trying to shade people that are unemployed. I think the point that I'm trying to make is it's good to get a good demographics of the where you're looking to buy or rent. You can get a lot of these things online. However, you get a clearer picture when you go down there. And I call it walking the streets. So I'm either doing a drive-by or I'm walking the streets to see what else is on there. It is quite uh, it is quite important to also know the, the neighborhood and the areas that you're looking to purchase in. Yeah, so I think I think we've done, we've 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 covered comprehensively what to look for when you are doing a property viewing. I was going to reveal a ninja secret. Oh, cool! <laughs> Come on, then the ninja a, a secret. This is a ninja tip. So at the beginning, we talked about building rapport with the vet, uh, with the vendor, with the seller. Yeah. Um, which the, the the ninja tip, but. But the question is, how do you do this? Because if you call an agent, typically, if you think about it, an agent probably has 15 to 30 minutes for you because mm. they're washed off their feet. They've got to get to other viewings. Yeah. So they can't always take time to, you know, so for you guys to sit there, have a cup of tea <laughs> and, you know, just, and just, you know, chat away. Um, so what you can do is you can look to book viewings at awkward times for the estate agents. So, for example... Ninja um, tip! (laughs) (laughs) I'm working till six today. Is the owner in? Will the owner be in? Can I go and see it, Uh, you know, if the owner is there? I'm away this Saturday, but I'm free Sunday. Will the owner be there? Mm -hmm. Um, So you look for times which are awkward for the estate agents which force them and ask the owner, uh, it, it forces them to ask the owner if they're available at these awkward times. And if that's the case, you can then get a direct, um, uh, a direct viewing with the vendor where you can take your time, you can discuss, you can build a relationship so that um, you can find out the situation and make the best offer according to the situation of the house. So, 
there is a ninja tip for there you. There is the ninja tip. I love it. <laughs> cool. Yep, that's a definite one. Um, yep, that's amazing. Okay, and um, I think I can. We can finish up by just saying when you do go out to view, try to go a second or third time. There is no, there's no requirement for you to just view the once. You, you want to actually try and view a few more times. You might go back maybe a second time with your builder. You might want to go back with another person. The more times you go and view a property, it's telling the agent or the vendor that you are actually interested. So if they need to make a decision as to who to give the property to or to sell to or to rent to, they might think of yourself. And I think it's good to go with a professional, like a builder, for example, because that gives you an idea. They might give you an idea of something that you haven't taken note of. You might have an idea of how much it would cost you to bring up the property to the standard that you want it to. Uh, yeah, so just take your time. Go as many times as possible. It doesn't matter if you've don't ever think you're causing a nuisance. You're looking to, you know, this is a business transaction, right? You don't have to shake hands on day number one. So definitely do take your time and go um, again. Cool. This is amazing stuff. Love it. <laughs> have to say so myself. This podcast is very useful. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So once again, um, thank you to our listeners who continue to listen with us. We are now... Uh, podcast has been listened to in five countries we would love for that to grow so if you do find this useful if you've found um if you've enjoyed it then please do share it with at least one person um and this will help us to grow our reach and this will help us to get more information out there um as usual ben Bola, it's been a pleasure it's and been a uh, pleasure. see you on the next one cool well done thanks guys